Testament. Chapter 4, we'll read the first 11 verses. Therefore, since the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet God's work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today. When a long time later, he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken about another day. There remains then. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. May God bless to our understanding the reading of this holy word. Amen. Well, we are calling next Sunday, Sabbath Sunday. Every Sunday is Sabbath for believers in Jesus Christ, but we haven't always done that. We've kind of lost that somewhere over the years. And so I've been preaching on the Sabbath and we've been discovering, maybe rediscovering what the Sabbath is, what it means, how we can do it. And we are setting aside September 28th as kind of a practicum. Um, Some of us have discovered that we're already Uh, We've already been doing some things that are quite restful, that are quite uh, in line with Sabbath keeping. One person told me first every every Sunday she makes a cup of coffee and she gets in her hot tub. Then she comes to worship and then she goes home and she reads the New York Times for the rest of the day. Sounds restful to me. Another family that young family on Sundays, they turn off all computers and electronic devices for the day. That's it. They just unplug. And some of us have other various restful practices that we do on Sunday. The key is to make the connection between those things and our worship of the Lord. That it isn't just a day off, but the Sabbath is the Sabbath to the Lord our God. Because we've been claimed by, we belong to the Lord our God. And he tells us to rest on the seventh day. And so next Sunday we'll try to do some things that reinforce that rest. Um, Many... Uh, of the people who are here on Sundays to help make everything in this building happen will get some time off. Uh, no ushers here to make up. We won't have children in Sunday school. We are going to have our adult classes for those for whom want to make that a part of your honoring the Lord's Day. Those are available. But we're trying to minimize responsibility for our musicians. You won't see them up here. Our technology is going to take a rest for the day. 
Uh, and it's not that those things are wrong when we do them. Not, that's not what we're saying. It's, uh, what we're trying to do is be intentional about remembering the Sabbath and what it's about and to teach rest. I've heard of entire churches that have stopped for maybe two or three months all their programming and just had two or three months of Sabbath in their own church. Nothing goes on except what they do on Sunday mornings. So plan your day next Sunday, how you will spend it before coming to worship, what you'll do after you leave worship, and how you will rest. Decide what you won't do, decide what you will do. And that is going to look differently to different people according to your life situation. And the hope is that it will be a pattern that we can continue to grow in and practice all of our lives. And Sabbath is a day that's done best in community. So there's going to be something about the fact that we're doing it all together. That other people are doing it with us. Some people ignore the Sabbath. They say, there's just too much to do. Just too much to do. You know, if we only stop when, our, when we're finished with our work, if that's the only time we're, we stop, we will never stop. Because our work is never completely finished. Every accomplishment means there's going to be a new responsibility. Every floor that we sweep is going to call for another sweeping at some time. Every child bathe is going to require another bathing. Sabbath liberates us from the need to be finished. We're never finished, are we? And one of the things about the Sabbath is that it extends beyond this life. The Sabbath that we know now is just a symbol, just a taste of a greater and perfect Sabbath that is laid up for us by God in heaven. We read Hebrews 4, and I think that is a very convoluted passage. If it was hard for you to follow, you're not alone. Don't worry about it. I don't think it reads real smooth. Hebrews 4 is, in essence, a sermon on three Old Testament passages. Genesis 2, Psalm 95... Numbers 14. If you don't have those memorized, let me just remind you about them, okay? Numbers 14 is the account of how the Israelites, after they've been saved and delivered out of Egypt by Moses, refuse to go into the land that the Lord has provided for them, the land of rest and abundance. And they have no faith that God and they can defeat the enemies that stand in their way to take the land. And this is just the latest in a long line of incidents where Israel refuses to trust the Lord during their wilderness wanderings. Instead, they complain, they moan to the Lord about how bad things are, about how they wish they were just back in Egypt. They've seen the Lord do signs, they've seen him do wonders, he's been very good to to them, but they just keep questioning his goodness and testing him. The Lord gets upset. Moses prays to the Lord that he would forgive the people for their foolishness and their rebellion. And the Lord says, okay, I will forgive them. But, he says, they will not enter that promised land. They will not see my rest that he told their ancestors he would give them. A certain generation of Israel did not get to enter the land filled with blessing and peace and rest. And they didn't get there because of their faith and their rebellion, their lack of faith in their rebellion. So Psalm 95, which was written many years after this, was a song commemorating that event. And in that psalm, 
Israel remembers the Lord saying, they shall not enter my rest. And the writer of Hebrews reminds Christians of this. Hebrews warns Christians about making the same mistake that those Israelites did back in Moses' day. Hebrews warns about being disobedient and disbelieving so that we don't miss God's rest. But the writer is speaking of something greater and beyond any rest that we know on this earth. Hebrews speaks of God's Sabbath rest, which isn't something we're going to find in this lifetime at all. The Sabbath rest that is spoken of in Hebrews is the rest that is found in God's heaven. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his Joshua was charged with leading the people into the promised land, the land of rest, Israel, which a later generation did. But even that rest wasn't complete. And such it is with us. No matter how we practice Sabbath and the rest that it will bring to us, it will always be an imperfect rest. I don't care how good this day is for you or any Sabbath day, it's imperfect. We'll get tired again. There's still going to be work waiting for us, right? We're never finished. Our Sabbath keeping here is temporary. Monday always rolls around. There is a rest, a much better, perfect, complete rest to come, which God has prepared for all those who trust him in this life. And Hebrews calls it Sabbath rest. It is a rest from all our labor, from all our work, from all our burdens, once and for all and forever. And the promise is that anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Whenever I stand at the graveside of a believer who has died, I always speak these words. They're not my words. They come actually from the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. They rest from their labors, says the Spirit. They rest from their works and their deeds follow them. And then we send them off into their Sabbath rest. You see, in heaven, we rest from our works. We rest from the heaviness. We rest from the worry. We rest from the anxiety and the weariness. It will all be gone. The need to get ahead, the endless list of things to get done, the projects that we want to accomplish that are always hanging over our heads. And we really can't imagine this. It's just too good to be true and like nothing we've ever experienced. I'm not sure we think about heaven, though, much anymore. I know there are a few books out there that are in movies about people's near death or death experiences, and they say, well, I've been to heaven and back, and and we might think about heaven at a funeral or memorial service that we go to, but I'm not sure that heaven is really on our radar a whole lot. We're more focused on staying alive and putting off God's Sabbath rest as long as possible. That's not to say that we should seek death or we should want to die, but we want to stay in this world. It has become our home, and we can't see very well out of this place. 
or we've become spiritually lobotomized and we've bought into John Lennon's imagining that there is no heaven and that what we truly long for is somehow going to come right here. Well, good luck with that. But not thinking about heaven or denying it hasn't been true for most people before our time. Uh, It hasn't been true of those who live by faith in God. There was a time when probably death was much more real, much more accepted in all times. Uh, The medical technology wasn't available to prolong life like we can now. It was much more common for people to die, maybe younger. Uh, It wasn't uncommon for children to be lost. People don't necess- didn't necessarily expect to live long. And maybe that is why Christians before us had many more songs about heaven and about the life to come. You know, you think about the newer songs that we sing today, whether it's hymns or whether it's praise, contemporary songs, not many songs about uh, the life that awaits us. Can't think of many. But search through old hymnals, even the hymnal we have, and you'll find entire sections of 20, 30 songs that the saints and churches have sang about heaven, about the afterlife, about what is to come and what God has. I know some of them are a little corny now. Uh, They sang of Beulah land, which was kind of a code word for heaven. Uh, They sang of, you know, going to the other side um, when this life is o'er and what awaits us. They sang, when, they all, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Some glad morning, when this life is o'er, over, I'll fly away. In the sweet by and by, we will meet on that beautiful shore. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on. When we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed we shall meet at last. They sang, in mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow, if ever I love thee, My Jesus, tis now. We sang a song at our 830 service this morning. I don't think I knew it, or if so, it had been years ago, but the words were just so rich. It's called Beyond the Sunset. Here's the verses. Beyond the sunset, oh blissful morning, when with our Savior heaven's begun, earth's toiling ended, oh glorious dawning, beyond the sunset when day is done. Beyond the sunset, no clouds will gather, no storms will threaten, no fears annoy. O day of gladness, O day unending, beyond the sunset, eternal joy. Beyond the sunset, O glad reunion with our dear loved ones who've gone before. In that fair homeland, we'll know no parting. Beyond the sunset, forever more. And you see, the promise of heaven gave Christians courage and peace and great confidence amidst the trials and the suffering that they went through. Hebrews was written to a community of Christians who were discouraged, they were weary, they, were, they wanted to throw in the towel. They had been persecuted, they had lost so much in their own lives, they'd been under hardship, and they wondered, is this worth it? 
Why not just throw in the towel? Why not compromise to the culture and just cave into everything and live for now? But the message of Hebrews is don't give up. Endure. Strengthen yourself in your faith. This world with all its pain, with all its suffering, with all its heartache, it's not the final word. Live for the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Desire the better and the heavenly country. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is where God dwells with his people and he will be with them and we will wipe and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. It is where the nations will be healed, where there will be no need for electricity or solar power or sun or light because it says the Lord God himself will be our light. You know, we've become so this-worldly, I think, and we've placed our hope and desires on the present that we fear when all this is over, that it'll all be lost. That's our biggest fear. And the Christian mind and heart doesn't ignore or throw the world away by no means, but it doesn't find its ultimate rest here. Heaven is not escapist. Heaven is reality. And the Sabbath we experience here in this life is just a foretaste of the Sabbath to come. If you find yourself not totally enthralled with this life, if you know it always to be lacking, if you have this sense that there is more, if you find yourself ever just restless here, you aren't crazy. And it doesn't mean you don't lack faith. It's supposed to be that way. This world is not our home. We were made for eternity. It's in our very makeup. You're longing exactly what you were made for. C.S. Lewis once said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You know that great vacation, just that super vacation you enjoyed? There's a relaxation that is better than that. That absolutely exquisite meal, there is a banquet in heaven that will blow that to pieces. The mountains, the ocean, I marvel at them. But these pale in comparison to what is in the realm where God exists. Even that dream home, even the best of health, even the most loving family, they all have cracks. There's always imperfections in it. No person, no description, no movie, no song, no illustration, no sermon can adequately capture the Sabbath rest, the absolute peace and beauty of heaven. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the Sabbath that we keep now helps us get ready for that, anticipate that, and look toward that. I hope your Sundays, or whenever your Sabbath day is, is a day that connects you to God, that is absolutely restful, that is renewing, that is a blessing for you, and that it reminds you that there is yet a more perfect rest to come. Pastor Mark Buchanan, he puts it like this. Sabbath isn't eternity, but it's close. It's a kind of precinct of heaven. A well-kept Sabbath is a dress rehearsal for things above. 
In finding the rest of God now, we prepare for the fullness of God one day. In Sabbath, we anticipate forever. Someday we will live in forever. And so the writer of Hebrews says, let's make every effort to enter that rest. That perfect, ultimate, everlasting rest of God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we get there, not by feverishly working ourselves to death, but by resting in the work of Jesus Christ that was finished on the cross when he said, it's finished. The work needed for us to enter God's heaven and the Sabbath rest is finished. The forgiveness of our sins is finished. It only needs to be accepted by faith, which is resting in that relationship we have with Christ and believing that everything we need comes through him. We rest from trying to make ourselves acceptable to God on our own merits. We rest from the guilt that says you aren't good enough or you're not doing enough. We rest from our spiritual wandering. We rest in the cross and the empty grave of Jesus Christ so that someday we can know Someday we can know God's Sabbath rest, which is better than anything we can know or that we have known in this world. Let's pray. Lord of the Sabbath, teach us your rest. We long to arrive at the Sabbath rest that you call us to, invite us to, that forever. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.